We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live, in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit WYNN bet.com to start winning on today's episode of the pride podcast we have our detroit lions versus the denver broncos game preview we're going to talk about some keys to victory for the detroit lions to see if they can get their second win of the season all in episode 215 of the pride podcast seventh pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Detroit Lions select Panay Sewell, tackle, Oregon. He's going to run it straight in! Jared Goldberg! Yes! Touchdown, Detroit Lions! DJ Hawkinson, yes! they did it! They tied it! They're an extra point away from winning this game! Oh, baby, how big is that? yo what is going on guys welcome back to the pride podcast episode 215 on the blue wire network today's episode is going to be sponsored by underdog fantasy use promo code pride pod they are matching up all the way up to your first deposit of a hundred dollars i am your host tyler jumbo my main guy as always pierre how you doing my man i'm doing great man I am doing great. Let's get uh, let's get into this. Yes, sir. No Malcolm with us today. We're going to preview the Denver Broncos, and we're going to get on. We're just going to get started with the injury report. So, Pierre, you want to go ahead and read off the Denver Broncos injury report and how it's looking for this Wednesday? Yeah. So you got Bradley Chubb, who's probably arguably their best pass rusher, but he's been hurt this year. Uh, he's in with a shoulder ankle injury. He did not practice. Shelby Harris. Uh, also didn't practice. Uh, running back Melvin Gordon with a hip was limited. Bobby Massey with ankle was limited. And then Purcell, Mike Ford, Malik Reed, Caden Stern, Steady Bridgewater, all full participants. Oh, and Andrew Beck, all full participants. So, Mike Ford, former Detroit Lion, is on this injury report. But you, as you mentioned, he was a full participant. Doesn't start for this team. But, you know, it, it'd be interesting if we ever see Mike Ford during this game, former Detroit Lion. And as a guy I 
enjoyed watching while he was a lion because he had some good moments here. Yes, maybe some special teams because he's good at that. So I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if we see him on special teams. All right. Um, I want to caution this line injury report because there's been a little bit of a flu going around, not COVID related, just a flu going around. So they did conduct a walkthrough on Wednesday. So these are all uh, a lot of these are estimated. Um, but yeah, there's a little flu going around. So we don't know if they'll be cured by Sunday to you know give it a go versus the Broncos. Um, but like uh, last week, we had an example, Penny Sewell, they said he had food poisoning, so he had to skip a day of practice. So I think we'll have a better estimation of what, who, who is going to play in this game probably by Friday. Or if you guys want to join us on Spotify, Green Room on Sunday, we'll have the official inactives and active. So we'll know if everyone can play through this illness they're going through right now or if it's too bad and they'll have to miss week. So we'll keep up with that throughout the week or if you just want to follow us on instagram or twitter we'll also update the situation over there so with that being said let's talk about this lions injury report slash flu that's going around and who's involved <clears throat> so starting off with defensive end michael brockers he's listed with a knee and illness he didn't practice quarterback jared goff is on this injury report with an illness guard jonah jackson is on this list with an illness nose tackle john penasini is on the list with an illness uh, Julian Aquara did not practice with an ankle injury. He is not with an illness. Running back DeAndre Swift still dealing with that shoulder. He didn't practice. I would probably expect him to miss another week. Uh, Halaputi Vaitai, who's actually had a pretty solid year for the Lions this year, that's been kind of low key. He is out of practice with an illness. Defensive end Nick Williams, he's out with an illness. And then going on to the limited, uh, that was all the illnesses. Uh, these are these are now actual injuries. Outside linebacker Austin Bryant was limited with a shoulder. Tight end T.J. Hawkinson was limited with a hand injury. Offensive tackle Matt Nelson was limited with an ankle. Cornerback slash safety Bobby Price was out with or was limited with a shoulder. And then I actually missed one. Uh, tackle Panay Sewell was limited with a shoulder and an illness. So he was out. He was out of practice one day with an illness. So he was limited today. Yeah. Um, I think you forgot one player, Jalen Reeves Maven with a shoulder. He didn't practice. Oh yeah, I did miss that one. Sorry. There yeah. Go. But yeah, that's the Lions injury report. So it looks a lot bigger than it probably should be, and I, I wouldn't assume all these guys are going to be out coming into Sunday. I, I would assume they'll probably, you know, be you know good to go by Sunday. But we'll see. We'll keep up with the situation. So that is the Lions injury report, and we also have a, a guy that was placed on the COVID nineteen list, starting center. Evan Brown, he could still technically play. I don't know his vaccination status. If he is vaccinated, all he would need is two negative tests before game day to be able to play versus the Denver Broncos. If he is not vaccinated, he would have to automatically miss 10 days, which would officially rule him out for this game. So we'll also keep up with that situation. And if he can't go, then you're going on to your third your third strength uh, center, which would probably be uh, Ray McCollum, I would assume. So... We'll see yeah, Ryan McCollum. Uh, yep. So we'll see with that situation and, you know, who's ends up being starting center. Cause Evan Brown's actually been pretty good for this football team as well. Yeah. This is something, this is something with this lions team that we haven't really talked about all that much. And I'm going to give a lot of shout out to Hank fairly. I mean, the, the Lions have had a lot of moving parts on the offensive line and, you know, hasn't been perfect every game, but I feel like for the most part, it's been a good slash decent offensive line all year, even with all the maneuvering pieces throughout the season. You lost uh, Frank Ragnar early on the year. You lost Taylor Decker for a lot of the season. You've moved Panay Sewell, your, your first-round pick, from the left side to the right side. 
Vitae missed a week. So you had a lot of maneuvering pieces. Like I said, it hasn't been perfect every single week or every game. But for the most part, for what has been given, uh, Hank Fairley's done a hell of a job with wh- whatever he's been given and whoever's been you know having to fill in for every for these games. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, we've spoken a lot. We've spoken on Hank on this podcast a lot, and we all think highly of him. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, he's here for a while because what he's done with Tommy Kramer when he had when he had to start that one game or come in that game, he was okay. Um, Evan Brown is impressive. What he's done with Evan Brown is impressive. Matt Nelson, like he, he, this guy was defensive lineman two years ago. He was the starting right tackle. Obviously, he struggled, but you got to remember, he's really raw, so he's still learning how to play tackle. Mm-hmm. So just all that work he's done with offensive lineman, and not to mention Jonah Jackson this year, his run blocking has improved. I mean, Panay Sewell is arguably a top five tackle in the league already, just this year, the way he's playing. You know, he's playing really well, and th- that was – a move that I was excited Dan Campbell brought back to the staff. Cause if there was one thing that was very positive about the previous staff, that was Hank Fairley. So yep. if there was anyone to keep around, I was glad it was Hank Fairley because he's just been productive since his, since he's came to Detroit, if it was with the Patricia staff or with this staff right now. So uh, yeah, big shout out to Hank Fairley and what he's been doing with that offensive line. All right. I remember fuck- though, in the preseason, there was some national media talking little trash about him because saying Panay Sewell shouldn't be on the right. You know, Sewell struggled yeah. in right tackle, which happens. It's preseason, but now Sewell looks like he belongs there. I mean, he's just a natural. Yeah, I know. I mean, Panay Sewell, especially since Taylor Decker has been, you know, been back and, and been moving to the right side. And I, I was a little critical of that decision because I wasn't necessarily critical of Panay Sewell playing the right side. I was just critical. I was like, can we just stick to one position that he could play for the next couple of years so he has, doesn't, doesn't have to keep switching back and forth? But, I mean, Panay Sewell has adjusted very well when he had to play the right side and even when he had to play the left side when Decker was out. So it shows you the versatility that the kid has. And right. if there was an injury again and Panay Sewell has to play left tackle, you shouldn't be nervous when that happens because I, I think Panay Sewell has shown he could adjust to either tackle position now, which is yeah. which is really key. And I, I was a little worried about, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but that worry is out the door, and that's a big shout-out to Panay Sewell, the actual player, putting in the work and getting the job done, and obviously the coaching staff, Hank Fairley, being the main one to, to make right. that adjustment. So uh, I agree. Hank Fairley has been great. So We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's talk about the Detroit Lions defense versus Denver Broncos offense. So you're looking at this Denver Broncos offense right now. It's been inconsistent, but they have some fire talent. And me and you before before the show, we said if the Denver Broncos had a legitimate starting quarterback, we think this team could be really, really good. And maybe as good as to go to like an AFC championship, maybe even a Super Bowl. I mean, this is a very, very talented roster. Peter, just break it down real quick. How is this offense looking for? Um, I think this offense right now is built around their running game. Javante Williams, Melvin Gordon, they're both averaging well over four yards. I believe they both have over 600 rushing yards. They are... They're arguably the best running back duo in the league right now. And one guy kind of like, they, how do I say it? They, um, they mesh well together. They're a good combo. They're a good one-two punch. Um, so everything builds off that. I feel like their offense is kind of like our offense, right? Like Teddy doesn't really take shots. A lot of thinking dunks here and there. They like to control the clock, kind of like Detroit does. They want to run the ball. Very similar to Detroit's offense, kind of boring too. Although they do have some firepower, they got Jerry Judy, they got Tim Patrick, Corlin uh, Sutton, Corlin Sutton. Thank you. And then obviously KJ Hamler, he's on IR. And Noah Fan this year, um, he's he's athletic. He's he's pretty good, right? So they got a lot of firepower on offense. They just need to find that quarterback. I don't think Teddy is the answer, but like he's a decent stopgap. I think they have the same mindset as our offense, but I think their offense is better than ours just as far as talent. I think they definitely right. have more talent than our offense, right. but it, but as far as a mindset and, you know, how they want to play the game, I think I, I'm with you. I think they have the same philosophy as far as how they want to run an offense. But I want to talk about this rookie running back, Javante Williams. Um, I was watching that Sunday Night Football game last week where he was the, he was the main guy with Melvin Gordon out. And I think he showed to me that game that Javante Williams is a stud, and he's going to be a stud in the league for a while. And I think once it's his time, I think there's going to come to a point where he's going to be the bell cow, and he's going to be that main guy in Denver. And he he's shown he has the ability to be that guy. He could take 20 to 25 carries a game, and he, he's going to be really, really impressive. I mean, he's just a, an athletic running back that does it all. He's a bowling ball. You could He's a great runner. You could use him in the passing game. This guy yeah. is a mismatch for sure, and something the Lions defense is going to have to watch out for this Sunday. And this is a guy you're going to have to watch out just in the future upcoming years in the NFL because I think this guy's really special. I liked him coming out a lot out of North Carolina last year. And the Broncos traded up for this guy. And I was a little shocked by that because, you know, they did have Melvin Gordon. But I see what they were doing now because this guy is a stud. And, you know, he's going to be in he's going to be in their backfield for a while. And, yeah, he, he's really special. You know, he, he gives me... I don't necessarily have a comp to him, but, you know, just a very talented running back that Detroit's going to have to definitely worry about. And especially, like you mentioned, when you don't have a great quarterback, you know, in place for Denver right now, you know, you're going to have to look at to try to stop the running game because once that running game does get going, it could open up the passing game. And it, then that's when it could get a little scary for the Lions defense. But the Lions defense has done a good job, you know, with some talented running backs. Like last week, I thought they did a pretty good job eliminating Alexander Madison. He got a little going in that second half, but in the first half, they did a really good job with him. So it's going to be interesting. You know, Teddy is one of those quarterbacks, like you mentioned. It's like he's not great. He's not bad. I think he lives up to his name, Teddy Bridgewater. He's a bridge He's a bridge quarterback. That, that is, <laughs> yeah. his, his last name fits perfect for what his role in the NFL is. So uh, it's going to be interesting. Who is something you're looking out in this offense that could scare you this week? They're wide receivers, man. Other than the running backs, I think the running backs we talked about, but any of their wide receivers could go off. Like, I think you put any of them on the lines of the Lions' number one receiver. Corlin Sutton. Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick. 
those guys kind of all like the each a lot of them have like uh like around five to six hundred yards so the ball gets spread evenly sound like one guy is the main target they like to spread the ball around so i feel like like one that one game this guy goes off another game this guy goes off so all of those three receivers though they scare me i'm not gonna lie they're all pretty talented judy was a first round pick great route runner uh corland sun's another good route runner she got paid tim patrick yeah and then tim patrick also just got paid and he has that size and he's good as well so uh, going on to the offensive line, they have one of my favorite players in the NFL and one of my favorite prospects of all time. <laughs> Quinn Miners, Division Three football player, Wisconsin, Whitewater. Love the man's story. Keeps the belly out when he's playing. Has all that confidence. Doesn't do it during NFL games, but during practices, he always has the belly out. And, you know, he's, he's showing off the beard guy. I love it. I, Quinn Myers is the most fascinating NFL player to me. Uh, just look at their offensive line in general. You were telling me that they're struggling a little bit this year. Um who's there to look out for this offensive line this Sunday? Um, so, like, here's the example. So, Garrett Bowles, for example, he has – he's given up five sacks, has four penalties, and he has 17 pressure loss. That's that's okay, right? But I feel like the Lions um, could maybe give him some issues. And then you have uh, Dalton Reisner. He has uh, – he's given up two sacks, has two penalties, 18 pressures. Those are pretty good numbers. He's pretty good in that department. So, I feel like he's kind of solid. Then you have Lloyd Cushenberry, who's coming in for Graham Glasgow, former line. He's on IR. Cushenberry limited snaps he's played. Uh, he has six penalties. He's allowed four sacks and 21 pressures. He's only played 782 snaps, which is 14th in the NFL. And uh, he's given up a lot of sacks and has penalties. So I feel like the Lions could cause some interior issues for the Broncos. All right. The other guy, your boy, Quinn Miners, uh, the rookie. Not the rookie, I believe. Second yeah, he's a player. No, he's a rookie. He is a rookie. My bad, he's a rookie. So he's only played in 324 snaps. He has two penalties, one sack, and he's given up 11 pressures. So he hasn't really played that much, but the time he's played, he's been okay. Like, he's kind of average, right? Then you got their other tackle, Bobby Massey. I don't know if you remember, but he used to play for the Bears. Oh, Bear. He's, he's, uh, he's given up five sacks, no penalties, and 27 pressures. So they give up a lot of sacks. Um, I feel like the Lions maybe could generate some pressure. We'll see. But this team gets up a lot of sacks. It's going to be interesting because the Lions' pass rush has been very inconsistent. I mean, there was a point in the season before last week, before last game, I should say, they went on a very, you know, it just wasn't really getting home. And it's going to be interesting with this matchup this week because there's not really that one guy in this offensive line that really necessarily scares you. But you look vice first on the Lions defensive line. There's not really that one guy that necessarily scares you either. Right. There's not a consistent guy. Like we've seen flashes from Charles Harris here and there. Like that last game, he he was doing a really good job, especially in that first half, getting consistent pressure. That no one really in Minnesota could stop what Charles Harris was doing. Um, and then a guy like Julian Aquaro, if he does end up playing, he was on the injury report. But if he does end up playing. You know, he's a guy when he's getting opportunities, you know, he's gotten to the quarterback sometimes, but just not consistently either. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, you keep going. In the interior, we haven't really generated much pressure. We've had some glimpses of Levi and Zarike, but as far as the interior, it's just not really getting home as far as the pass rush. They've done a solid job stopping the run, but as far as getting home as a pass rush, you know, Michael Brockers hasn't really gotten that backfield too often. Nick Williams, we've talked about this, so... This is an advantage that the Lions can maybe take advantage of, but I look vice versa and it's like, do we have that guy that could take advantage of these matchups? You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
you have guys who've shown also like Levi Anzaruki, uh, Julian Aquara. Aquara right now is hurt with an ankle injury. We'll see if he plays. But yeah. Aline McNeil has in the run game. He's he's made some plays the past few weeks. Man. The run game for sure. I'm talking about just getting Coleman and getting the backfield and, and disrupting Teddy too. Yeah, it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough. Um, because the Lions just don't have him. We said that last week too. But then Charles Harris, me and Malcolm talked about it. Someone he step Charles Harris steps up. Maybe this week someone else steps up or he steps up again. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I want to also mention too, Teddy Two Gloves. You know where he comes from, New Orleans. That's what yes. that, that was his. Uh, not the team before, but the team before that, because it was with the Panthers and then it was with the Saints. And I, why I mentioned that is, where does Dan Campbell come from? Where does Aaron Glenn come from? Right. They come from New Orleans when Teddy Two Gloves was in New Orleans. So Dan Campbell, you know, was the tight ends coach while Teddy was the starting quarterback when Drew was out, and then Aaron Glenn was in that. Uh, he was the DBs coach in New Orleans. So you know, in practice with him every single day and having to not game plan because he wasn't the defensive coordinator, but, you know, kind of knowing what he's doing and, and picking up on what Teddy could do well and what he can do. So that's an advantage to Lions way. I guess you could say that could potentially be an advantage to Teddy as well, maybe having some, you know, previous knowledge to the Saints. But I think it's a little different with the players that we have and then right. the system that Glenn brought because, again, he wasn't the play caller in New Orleans. So, you know, it's it's not everything – that was in New Orleans is what we're doing over here. But I would say the advantage probably goes to Dan Campbell and, and Teddy or and Aaron Glenn of knowing and being familiar with Teddy Bridgewater. So it's going to be interesting to see what kind of game plan Aaron Glenn puts on the defensive side of the ball and what he, what he could use his previous knowledge towards to uh, stopping Teddy Bridgewater this week and stopping his Denver Broncos offense in general. Yeah, the thing is with the Broncos offense, so they're ranked 23rd in points per game at 19.8. Detroit is ranked 29th at 16.9. So their offense has struggled this year, but they have the 12th rushing offense. Like their running backs are good, man. They are. So that should be goal number one should be coming in and stopping the run. If you stop the run and you force Teddy to throw, that's how you would. Which is a lot, you know, a lot easier said than done, obviously. Obviously, yeah, yeah. because those guys, I mean, Javante Williams is averaging 4.8 yards per carry, has 670 yards, and then Melvin Gordon, I believe he's averaging also somewhere around there. He's averaging um, 4.5 yards carry and has 605 yards. He has five touchdowns, and then Devontae has two rushing touchdowns. So those guys are averaging four and a half or more yards per carry, man. And that's – This team is so weird to me. Like, they're not good to me, but they're not bad. They're just very – I guess, you know, what's the trend a lot of kids Average? Are now? No, they're mid. Is that, is that what all kids say? <laughs> That's what the Broncos are right now. They're very mid. You know, they're just very average. I, I I can't stand that word. I like I'm like at a family gathering or whatever. My cousin's like, oh, you're so mid. I'm like, what the fuck does that mean? Yeah, I can't stand it either. <laughs> but it, it's I think it's a good reputation of the Denver Broncos. They are very mid. I think that's what the Broncos are. I just want to tell you their last four games. Like I don't understand this team. They played the Cowboys in Jerry's world in in uh, in uh, Dallas. They scored thirty points. They they. They killed the Broncos. They were winning like 24-0 in the first half. The final score ended up being 30-16. They were whooping them that whole game. They got some garbage time touch on Dallas. But, you know, you know what I mean? Like, Denver was killing them that game. But then they come back to Denver, play the Philadelphia Eagles, who, you know, not a very good football team. They give up 30 points. It's 30-13. to um, And then they play the Chargers, a very good team. Only give up 13 points, and they score 28. Um, and then they play the Chiefs on Sunday Night Football last week. 22 to 9 they lose the game so I, I just don't know what to think of the denver broncos are they good are they bad i just think they're very average very mid 
That's fair. Um, they've been inconsistent, but you look at like their games too. Other than the Cowboys game, the Browns, like Baker Mayfield, I believe was hurt, but they still won. Browns won seventeen to fourteen. They beat the football team seventy ten. Who, I mean, they've been up and down this year, right? The Cowboys. I think Dak had a really bad game during that game. Terrible. Credit the Broncos defense. Yeah, but Dak also Eagles game. Yeah, I don't know what to say about that. The Chargers game. Um, I didn't really watch that game, and then last week's game, obviously. They only have 22 points to a Chiefs offense, but the Chiefs offense is also struggling. It's not like what it was last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I just I don't know what to think of this team. It's just sometimes they they look really good, and sometimes they just look really bad. So I don't know really, really what to expect this Sunday. It's in their home. It's in their home grounds. You're playing the Mile High Denver, which I, I think it's. It's not a huge advantage to Denver, but it is a bit of an adjustment for opposing team players, especially I would say NFC players because they only go there every once every eight years. It's gonna be a little different now with the 17th game, but you know this is a, a game where Detroit players don't go very often. They played there in 2019, but before that, you know, it, it, you can go way back. It's it was an eight-year tradition to play in Denver, so. Um, Obviously, a lot of these guys are younger and they've played in the AFC before, so I don't want to use that as an excuse. But, you know, it is definitely an advantage to the Denver Broncos of being used to playing in the mile high and just being used to playing in, you know, they have a loud stadium too, good fans in Denver as well. Yeah, so Tyler, I'm actually noticing something. I'm looking at the games that the Broncos have lost. For example, they lost to the Steelers. The Steelers had 147 rushing yards on 35 attempts. That's 4.2 yards a carry, right? They lost to the Browns 17-14. That was the game Case Keenum started. That was the game De'Aaron Johnson went off. Okay, and they had 33 carries for a 182 yards and 5.5 and yards um, average with a touchdown, right? Then the Eagles game, I mean, the Eagles destroyed them in their running game. The Eagles had 39 carries, 216 yards. They averaged 5.5 yards on the ground. So I'm looking at the Broncos, and it says their, their rushing defense is ranked 10th in the league, but I feel like that's kind of like, how do I say it? That's being good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sometimes like these, uh, the rankings are just rankings. They don't really look like opponents played and stuff. So I feel like the Broncos are vulnerable against the run. I think Detroit, if they like, they should go into this game and thinking we're gonna run it on them. Mm-hmm. And also, we always talk about this: a good running game keeps your defense off the field. And that's what the Broncos are thinking too. Their good running game will keep their defense off the field because they like to play. Possession ball. You know, Vic Fangio's kind of old school, kind of like Matt Patricia. He likes to run the ball, control the clock, um, defensive guy. So a lot of defensive guys are like that. I think as far as getting the run game going, too, if you can get that run game going, something that they didn't do versus the Steelers and something that they didn't do versus the Browns, if you get that running game going, it opens up the passing game as well. And then that, that you know, means you could take play action shots and right. just, just in general because – we were talking about their corners. They have some good corners. You know, Patrick Sertain's pretty good. He, I mean, he's really good. He's been arguably maybe defensive rookie of the year, potentially. It'll probably be Michael Parsons, but he's really good. Um, yeah. But but then you just look at the Denver Broncos defense in general. Not necessarily that you have a great receiver that is a is like a good mismatch that you could take advantage of, but it's a team that you could take shots on if you could get the running game going. And you were telling me before the show started, their interior defensive line hasn't been all that, and you could maybe establish a run game going. And you mentioned previous games where some run games have been get you know get going, and that's where the Broncos lost the games. You mentioned games like Philly, mentioned games like Philly, um, Philly, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh, where they well, lost because of that run game. The reason I said that because Shelby Harris is hurt right now, like yeah. he's out, 
Well, he's he didn't practice it, so we'll see if he plays. Um, that could be a different story. He's been pretty good this year. Mm-hmm. And then they have Draymond Jones, who's more of a um, he's a solid player too. He could rush the passer. So he's twenty seventh at his uh, he's twenty fifth at the pass rusher in the interior defense lineman. Is twentieth in run defense. So he's also a pretty good uh, defense lineman. But they're banged up right now, Tyler. They got Bradley Chubb, who's just coming back from injury. And their other edge, they trade away Von Miller. They have Malik Reed, right? Mm-hmm. So they're banged up right now on the defense on their defensive line. Does Bradley Chubb still scare you? I know he's a great talent, but missed a lot of time. Only played one game since being back. Played that Sunday night game, and then he missed this week of practice uh, on Wednesday. So he he might be he might play. He might not. Let's just assume he plays this week. Are you scared of Bradley Chubb? Um, if I'd have Sewell, I would be. But he's mainly on the he's going to line up against Sewell. So maybe you kind of like like say he he could like get to the quarterback, but if he's been hurt a lot, man, and and you got Panay Sewell who's playing at a really high level right now, I don't really have that much of a concern to be honest. I think one player that we should be that should concern us is Justin. Uh, is it Justin Simmons? Yeah, the, the safety. He's one of the best safeties in the league. Yeah, he's a beast. So uh, that's one guy you'd watch out for. And then Kareem Jackson is a veteran. He struggled a little this year, but I still like him. He's a he's a good vet. Uh, you got Kenny Young and Browning, Baron Browning, the kid from Ohio State. I know some Lions fans wanted him. Yeah, I mean their their linebacker core is not all that right. Kenny They're Young. missing one of their starters too, Josie Julie's on IR. Yep. Kenny Young. I mean he's not good in coverage, so I'm taking any line any uh, tight end or running backs over him in coverage. Then Baron Browning is also not the best in coverage, so I feel like the Lions could uh, get some matchups with those guys in coverage. So I would assume the game plan coming into this week is establish a run game, first of all. That's first and foremost. Uh, yes. Establish the run game, get that going, and then hopefully they could build off that. If it, if it gets going, and then you could maybe potentially open up some type of pass game of a play action or anything. Because, you know, I think the, the ideal thing would be is we get the run game going, the Broncos respect it, start stacking the box, maybe we get some one-on-one looks. And maybe we could start establishing some some type of a pass game going into this game. Another thing too, I would I would attack Kyle Fuller. He's had a really bad year this year. Yeah. Um, I, I so that's he's mainly in the slot, I guess, this year. Yeah. So put Amon Ross St. Brown and just let him go to work. Yeah, I think Amon Ross St. Brown kind of had his coming out party, and I want to see what he could do now to you know to rebound off that and, and how he's going to play now for the rest of the year because he don't he now knows how that feels to have like a great game in the NFL get some targets because I believe he had 12 targets, 10 receptions last game. So he had a really good game versus the Vikings. Yeah. So, you know, this is a matchup. Maybe he could, you know, just build off his resume and just keep going from what he did last week versus the Vikings. And let's see, man, I think that'd be ideal is if we can get some type of running game. This is a game you wish you had Swift in, which you probably won't have him in, but this would be an ideal game to have Swift, but you still have a really good running back in Jamal Williams. And it's still a good running back for this type of game plan because, you know, he's your big bowling ball and, your big bowling ball where he, you know, he, he's going to get those extra yards and you're going to need that in this type of game versus the, versus the Denver Broncos, because those are the type of running backs. Like you mentioned, if they've had a tough time with, it was Najee Harris with the Steelers. And then with the Eagles, it wasn't Miles Sanders. It wasn't like their little elusive back. It was Jordan Howard, which, you know, he, he's a, one of those big bowling balls yeah. as well. So, and then Dearness Johnson, you know, he's kind of like that too, as well, a little bit. So we'll see how they, uh, how they could do this week with Jamal Williams. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Um, it's going to be tough. It is going to be tough. But we'll, we'll see what happens, man. 
I mean, like I said, this is going to be an intriguing game. Like, this is a winnable game for the Lions, but I could see it going the other way around just because of their offensive talent. You know, like you yeah. mentioned, that they have some really good running backs. They have some very good receivers as well. You know, it's just a very – it's a very average team. It's like it, – you know how I mentioned the Vikings were like a team, like they kind of remind me of an old Lions team, like a 2017, 2016, 2018 type of Lions team? I kind of get that vibe from this Denver Broncos team. It's yeah. just like – they're not really good to like make a Super Bowl push, but they're not bad enough where they're going to be a top five pick in the NFL draft. Like they're just very average. It's a game that you could see them taking advantage of a bad team, but it's also a game you wouldn't be shocked if they lost to a bad team. That just screams the like the old Lions, you know, like 2017, 2016. Yeah, uh, that, that's the kind of vibe I get from this Broncos team. And then I also. I read something about the Broncos. They basically said they're treating him as a playoff, treating this as a playoff game because they're six and six and their margin of error is low. And yeah. even Campbell brought it up in his press conference. Like we, like we know they're treating this as a playoff game, and we're gonna try to like win this, obviously. So, obviously the Broncos will be fired up, but I think the Lions also. I think they're gonna be like, hey, maybe we can knock these guys out of the playoffs. I got a question for you, Pierre. Um, just from a fan perspective, not the Lions and Dan Campbell perspective. Yeah. This is a fan perspective. So now you got that win under your belt. You got that monkey off your back. Now you're still in the number one pick right now. But as a fan perspective, do you want to see this football team like still win football games? Or would you be okay if, say, you know, I wouldn't mind if we lost out. Like you're not going to actively cheer against the Lions losing this game. But would you be like, eh, you know, like are, are you, are, is the back of your head is like, I wouldn't mind if the Lions lose these games? I always want to win. Yeah. Okay. I think that's fair, right? Unless, yeah. like, that one year where we had a chance at Chase Young, you know that how that one game went? Um, yeah. It is what it is. But we were rooting against a different team. I don't think it was the Lions. I think it was, like, Washington. They ended up... Or well, we lost. So, what ended up happening that year in 2019? We ended up losing out. That's when we did have Stafford. Um, but Washington, I think, ended up losing out. And we had that tie in 2019 versus the Cardinals, which made us the number three pick compared to the number two pick. Tyler, and this is why I say this. You have a GM so far. I mean, we have a small sample size, but so far this rookie class, it looks pretty intriguing. You have Panay Sewell, who's, like we said, he's he's one of the top players at his position. He's only a rookie, and he's only 21 years old. You have Levi Andruki, who's slowly uh, improving. Like, he's finally, like, I feel like his feet are wet. And now yeah, they're throwing him out there more. Showing some flashes now. We've yeah. talked about Aleem McNeil a lot. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown had a coming out party last week. Derek Barnes is starting to play more snaps. He's going to be our future Mike linebacker. Uh, then you have Jerry Jacobs, A.J. Parker, undrafted kids. They've been pretty good. I'm missing someone. Jamar, Jamar Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. Jamar Jefferson. I mean, that guy, like, when he, when they called him, he made some plays, right? When they called him to play, they don't really need him right now, but he's a good depth mm-hmm. choice. So overall, I feel like Brad Holmes' draft class, even like if you want to bring up um, Riley Patterson, he's an undrafted rookie, right? He signed him with the Patriots practice squad. We'll see what Ryan McCollum does if Evan Brown can't play. But I feel like overall, this rookie class or these rookies they have on their roster, they're getting better every week. And that's nice to see. And that's a kudos to Brad Holmes for identifying talent. And obviously, kudos to the Lions coaching staff for developing them. I'm with you, Pierre. Um, I'm at that point where... I want the number one pick, obviously, but I wouldn't be against it because if we if we're winning games, just because this is a coaching staff that I think just needs wins right now under their belts, and it, it like it's just a good morale boost going forward. I think for the players and then the staff going forward, and then just for the fan base in general, that you know you kind of have some confidence that they could win some football games, and I think if they could win a gutsy football game in Denver, play spoiler to another team, I think that shows a lot in your football team and. 
what they're you know getting behind your what you're saying and your game plans that you're putting out every week. So I'm with you. And like previous years, like in the Matt Patricia years, when it got to the end of the year, I was just like full clock it. I wanted to get a draft pick. Um, and I just like you know I didn't care about the team. Like last year, I didn't. I when Patricia got fired and I knew it was over, I wanted to clock it. Like I'm like I don't need to see any more wins. <laughs> I would be okay if we lost every single game. Same thing in 2019. I was out on Patricia already at that point. So I'm like, I, I could care less if the guy wins or loses at this point in this season because it just does nothing right. for me. But with this staff, I want to see development. I want to see growth. If they end up losing, I'm not complaining because we could still get the number one pick and we could still get Kevin on Thibodeau or Aiden Hutchinson. Uh, but if they do end up you know, winning some games, which I still think is going to be a lot more difficult. It's going to be hard. Yeah, it's still going to be a lot. Di- it's still going to be difficult because you don't have the personnel at the end of the day. But I'm just saying, if it does end up happening, I'm not here going to be mad if they win a game. I, I just don't think that's necessary. So, yeah, Tyler, when you look at the Lions roster, they're one of the youngest rosters in the league. And you want to build a culture. When you build a culture, you want to try to win games. Even though you don't have the talent, like some of these guys will probably be here in the future. Most of them will. Mm-hmm. Um, like the young guys. So you want them to get used to learning. You don't want them to keep losing and losing and losing. And I feel like momentum also carries on to the next season with the young guys. With yeah. the vets, you know, like they leave in free agency or whatever. But with these young guys, that this is your foundation <clears throat> right now. Like Jerry Jacobs, Panay Sewell, um, Ali McNeil, Levi's rookie, Amin Ross. That's your foundation right now. You want those guys to learn how to win and be here for like for a while. Campbell said today he basically wants to be like the Steelers and Ravens. He wants to like build a dynasty and a consistent winner and have be a tough team. And then those guys, you look at you look at their records like. I don't think they have – they've been under 500 for the yeah. past – I don't know how long. Yeah, no, they're just consistent winners. Of, they're consistent winners, yeah. right. doesn't matter. And obviously, Super it doesn't Bowl matter who's on the field. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the Super Bowl is hard to win, but both teams have also won Super Bowl. So, um, Ravens. Yeah, they won Flacco. Steelers was back in the day with uh, when they were yeah, stacked so, on defense. When they uh, won in Ford Field. Well, yeah. Jer- Jerome Bettis. Was it 2002? 2006. 2006. Yeah. Thank you. 2006. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. Like, the Lions, they want they to be that kind of They want to be a tough team. They want to be a gritty team. They want to be consistent in one game. So, that starts now, right? It yeah. starts now. Even though it's hard to win games, you're going to try to win every game. I don't think Campbell's thinking about we're going to have the three pick or the number No, one. no, no. no. I, I, I'm taking all I'm the- just saying that to the listeners. Like, yeah. just, you know? Yeah, no. I'm taking Something that all the way. Yeah. yeah. I don't care about that. I don't think Brad Holmes cares about that. I think Brad Holmes wants to win. Because, look, I'll be honest with you. If Sewell came out this year, he'd probably be the number one pick. We got him at number seven last year. No, I'm not counting anything of the front office because we know how they feel. Like, that, that's not even a question. Right. I'm just, like, telling the listeners. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm saying from a fan perspective, though, because some fans want to clock it in. They just want the number one pick. But I'm just asking from your fan perspective, you wouldn't care, though. No, because I feel like even at like number three or number four, you get Kyle Hamilton, maybe a George Karofalis, the per, the address shot of Purdue. Maybe if you want, if you want to take a quarterback like later on, maybe like a Matt Corral, maybe. I don't know. I'm just throwing some names out there, right? Like there's options. Um, if you want to trade Taylor Decker, maybe you take Evan Neal. He's a beast, right? So they have a lot of Which options. I don't, think it's, I don't think it's necessary. I don't think that's necessary. Yeah. I think that's kind of stupid too. Yeah. You're basically trading a pick, trading a player, and then using – a rookie player where you could get another player instead. Or you could, instead of just building off Taylor Decker, who you right. have a very good contract right now. Right. So, um, 
Yeah, man, they could go a number of routes. I'm not really worried about their drafting, to be honest, because I think they nailed their last pick, and it seems like they've nailed most of their picks. I see a little too early to tell, but we've seen some progress from the rookies. Fair enough. I'm with you. I'm all down for winning and winning football games and establishing that culture, but I'm not against getting the number one pick and, you know, getting the opportunity to have uh, a whole slate of picking through Kevin Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson. Like, if you have the number one pick, you obviously have all the luxury of who you want to pick, and you don't have to worry about who's going to fall. It's all on you. You get that. You get the first, you know, first scoop of the handful, you know, whatever you want to analogy you want to use. So I, I'm all down for winning, but I'm not against if we got the number one pick, which I still think we're going to probably be a top two, top three pick in this draft just because I don't think our team is good enough to win many more games, if any, left in the schedule. But as far as me watching these games, I'm not going to be actively cheering against this team. Um, you know, It's not like one of those, like, um, how do I use it? <laughs> like, I, like, I, like if they if they lose, I'm not. It's not like years previous, like when they lost. I'm like, eh, okay, we got. The, we're, it's a better for draft positions. Like, okay, we lost the game. Like, I'm not. I'm not thinking about the draft right now until actually after the season. Now, Tyler, I'll be honest. There was like a star quarterback out there, like legit. Yeah, but, but, there pick. but there is. But there is. There is. Obviously, there isn't. I think. I think they would. Uh, I think I would be more on the, like the taking side. I think maybe the Lions would too. They might be placing more guys on IR here and there. Yeah. We kind of saw that with Patricia to, in the end. Or the, the end Pistons the or the Pistons last year. I mean, I know it's a, it's a lottery based system. So it's a little different than the NBA. You know, but it's still yeah. like, that's how taking works. Like I remember under Patricia, like they had a few games out to one year. They just placed everyone on IR. Yeah. Like you're yeah. going on IR, you're going on IR, you're going on IR. I was like, all right. Yeah. And so. No, it, it, I would agree with you, but there isn't that quarterback. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Like, which I'm okay with because there's some star edge rushers, and we could finally, I hope, I don't want to jinx it, but we could finally maybe get our hands on one of these star edge rushers. How many drafts have we talked about here? We're like, man, we're one pick away from this edge rusher. Or when we have a top pick, there isn't an edge rusher available for us. Like, we're always one yeah. pick away. So I want to, like, also caution the listeners. I don't think Aiden Hutchin and Thibodeau are on the same level as Chase Young, Miles Garrett, the Bosa yeah. brothers. Those guys were different. I feel like they're a level below them. That's why they like say there's no really consensus number one overall player this year. It's kind of like what you but like. It would help. But uh, Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau both are ready to play now. And they both, I feel like, haven't even reached their ceiling yet. So Especially I feel like Thibodeau has a higher ceiling. But, man, I was a little discouraged from what I saw in the Pac-12 championship game. I don't want to talk about that. We'll get off topic. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd say very quickly, just talk about the top two picks. I think people are interested in that, uh, in Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson. I think Thibodeau's ceiling is through the roof, and I think if like that's a guy that, that like participates in a combine or when his pro day numbers come out, it's going to be like, wow, look at this guy. Like He's a freak athlete, and I think he's going to blow the waters of all those numbers. So I think his talent-wise, like his what he what his ceiling is, like you mentioned, is the number one pick valuable-wise. But Aiden Hutchinson, like, you know what you're going to get out of him. You know, he's not as sexy as a prospect as – as Kevin Thibodeau, athletics-wise, but as far as production and and him what he's and what he's been able to show so far in Michigan, that, that that's a complete night and day in my opinion. I mean, Hutchinson has shown a lot so far in Michigan, and that's why he's in the conversation right now. Yeah, and you could tell. Like, I feel like Thibodeau sometimes took some plays out. That's just from me watching. I don't know about you. And then Hutchinson just gives it his all every play. That's, like yeah. he plays every play like it's his last play. And don't be surprised. Hutchinson's also an athlete. He's gonna have a good combine too. No, he is. I just don't think he's as athletic and as I guess athletically athletically gifted as Kevin on Thibodeau. So we'll we'll see about that. We'll see. That's fair. Um so yeah, those but, two guys, like I feel like the number one, number two pick, you can't go wrong with either guy. I personally take Hutchinson, but if 
Brad Holmes like the other guy more, I, I wouldn't be mad. I, I feel like Dan Campbell is going to prefer Aiden Hutchinson because he just kind of screams like a lion <laughs> player, like a, a Dan Campbell yeah. guy. But then I feel like Brad Holmes has like the more like, you know, let's look at the athletics. Let's look at all these numbers. And I feel like he would prefer a cave down Thibodeau. So that's going to be an interesting discussion and where we end up actually picking. And if it is the number one pick, that's going to be an interesting discussion all the way from January to uh, to April when the NFL draft actually ends up happening. So something I'm going to be looking out for and uh, senior bowl, if those, if Hodgson's eligible to be in the senior bowl. So it's going to be interesting if he actually ends up going to the senior bowl. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting discussion, just keeping up with their combine and pro days all the way. Through. Right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so like a couple of weeks ago, me and Malcolm talked about this and we both had Kevin Thibodeau over him, but then the Pac-12 championship game, man, like the biggest games, I feel like you have to show up and I just didn't see enough of him versus, uh, Hutchinson, he had like seven pressures, a sack, I think a couple QB hits. Yep. It was, and he had a, a few pressures, right? So, and right, how I about the like, biggest game? Ohio State, three sacks. Yeah, oh, Ohio State game. He, he played his ass off, right? And Hutchinson obviously also has been hurt this year. He's dealing with an ankle injury, but still, when you're out there, man, and you're a top prospect, you have to show why you're the top prospect. To me, he's still like number two right now. Maybe that could change with the combine, with other stuff later on. But right now, he's number two on my board. I mean, when you're in a Heisman race as an edge rusher, that's that's impressive. It's a very yeah. impressive. It's a, it's a quarterback, wide receiver. It's a it's an offensive award, usually, to the Heisman. And I, it's not that I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to win the Heisman, but just getting the in, invitation to New York and being a candidate for the Heisman is impressive enough for the position that he plays. And, you know, as a Michigan fan, hutch for Heisman, baby. Hutch for Heisman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably not going to I think, Although I think Malcolm's boy is going to get it. Yeah, Bryce, Bryce Young, Young. Just because what he did the other day. I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> Bryce Young probably gets it. But as a Michigan, my Michigan heart, uh, hutch for Heisman. Yes. Um, Tyler, so I said I'd take Hutchinson. Like, you get the number one pick right now. You're They're on the board. Who are you taking? Um... I would take Thibodeau just because I think they could develop him to be an animal, and I think his okay. tra- I think his traits are just more eliteness than Aiden Hutchinson. I think I, I not this is not a knock to Aiden Hutchinson. I just think Thibodeau's talent wise and athletics are going to be more more gifted than Aiden Hutchinson. So I I would take Kevin on Thibodeau just because I think his ceiling's a little higher, and I think that they could develop this guy to be a beast. But if they get Aiden Hutchinson, I think he's one of those guys that he might have a more of an instant impact to your football team, but. As far as the Lions, they don't need instant impact right now. Like next year's still going to be a rebuild this year, so they don't necessarily need the the the, the impact player right now. They could go with the guy who they think is going to have a higher ceiling, who I think is Kevin Antipodo. I think both could have an immediate impact, to be honest. But I think um, Hutchinson will put up more numbers, his better numbers, his rookie. I think, we'll first, see, I think I think the first couple of weeks Hutchinson is like already going to be established and like being a, like an animal. Yeah, where Thibodeau, so. I, w- I wouldn't be shocked to be kind of like a Panay school route where it might take him a couple weeks. You know what I mean? That's fine. Yeah, yeah, that, that that's what I could see. And I think I would not mind it having the the Oregon boys together, Panay school and Kevin on Thibodeau, <laughs> at trenches, both sides, it, both sides of the yeah. trenches. That's not bad. Yeah. All right. Hope you guys all enjoyed this episode of the Pride Podcast. We will be live on Sunday to talk about the official inactives and actives of the Denver Broncos and the Detroit Lions. So come join us Sunday on Spotify. Green Room will be live right after inactives, so or an hour right before kickoff, so about 12 o'clock. Or no, wait, this is a 4 o'clock game, so we might have to alter our schedule. We're going to post about that. Yeah, we, we, we don't know when we're going to go live. It'll probably 
I don't know. We'll see. I have to talk. We have to talk about it. So we'll we'll be live before the game versus the Denver Broncos when the inactives inactives come out, and we'll have our final thoughts on the game. I mean, Jared Goff right now is on the injury report with an illness, so he might not be your starting quarterback potentially. So we'll talk about all of that and what ends up happening throughout the week. So hope you guys all enjoyed. As Peter would say, leave those five star reviews. They're always much appreciated. And I'm sending out guys. Peace. All right, guys. I'm out. Peace. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.